0: This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back to the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael here and I've got Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss on the line. How are you two doing?
1: We're doing great. Thanks. Thanks so much for having us.
0: Glad to have you here. You're both part of rock.voss communications and combined 45 years of experience in PR, journalism, marketing, communications. Um, I guess you guys couldn't decide what you wanted to work on, so you just did a bunch of awesome things together, it sounds like, from from your various experience.
2: Yeah, you know, we are um, storytellers at heart in all the forms that that takes in corporate America. So you know, we kind of considered ourselves corporate journalists for a long time. And, uh, you know, that included speech writing for the C suite uh, down to uh, managing and filling up those uh, vehicles for a um, for an employee audience in corporations.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned you know, the corporate space because, and this is something that I've seen and I'm sure you have too, you know, since the last economic recession of, of 2008 and 2009. It, Corporations have had to adapt to their communication style, both internally and externally. And, and I guess, what are some of the things that you're seeing corporations do now that's working well? And 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 maybe you know, what are some things that uh, you're seeing a lot of corporations uh, kind of fail at when it comes to, uh, corp- you know, communications both internally and externally?
1: Sure, I'll take that one. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right, Michael, in that uh, the lines have definitely blurred between what's internal and what's external. and and i'll I'll start with um, what companies actually do poorly. And I think what they what they do poorly is often sending the exact same message to the employees that they do to the outside world or vice versa. And as an example, I would say if they issue a a press release, that they just send the press release to employees and say, well, we're being consistent, it's the same thing we're telling our our external audiences and we're telling our internal audiences. When really, yes, the consistency is is critical, but what you wanna do is tailor that message, especially to your internal audiences, because a press release or a conference call with investors, whatever it might be, is intentionally designed to present a sunny side of the company. And Your employees will always see what's really going on. And I'm not saying that you change it entirely what you say to your employees, but you acknowledge the challenges. You acknowledge who has worked hard and overcome and helped to deliver the performance that you're touting outside. And you make sure you really talk to employees as if you're talking to them and not treating them as if they're just another box that you're checking in a group of people that you need to inform.
0: Yeah, I see that happen a lot where you know it's, here's the press release we sent out, but there isn't that. This is what it means for us in the organization and an explanation as to why an organization is taking a particular stance or going in a, a direction that they're choosing to go to. And even you know, even more so on the internal communication side of things, each department, and you know, let's say we're talking a, a smaller organization each individual how you communicate with them differs and how they're going to be able to receive the message that you are trying to portray you know in my leadership roles I knew my teams you know whether it was you know a larger organization or a smaller one i I knew my teams well enough to know how I could structure the message in such a way where they would be able to one comprehend and understand what I was saying and also create an ability for them to you know ask questions and get to you know okay why did we go in this direction how does this impact me because ultimately that's what it boils down to in any type of messaging is how does it impact the audience that you're sending this message to and if they don't understand it that's when you start getting you know a lot of problems within the organization and even from uh, clients if they don't understand the direction that your organization's going they're gonna they're going to be confused by it, and they may choose to go elsewhere as far as getting their products and services.
2: I, I couldn't agree with you more. Clarity and authenticity are, are the two things that we we tout with with our corporate clients. Um, both are incredibly important, and and tailoring the message exactly like you said it. You know, you you have to meet employees where they are, and that means how they get their information, but also where they are kind of on that change curve or where they are with the information. So, you know, you can't assume that everybody remembers what you said last July when you promised that this thing was coming. So, you know, you, you got to give context if it's needed. You have to catch employees up, make sure that they're all on the same page. And you know, if if you've got uh, an employee or base that has four employees, that's a whole lot easier than when you're talking with an employee base of 200,000 employees. So it's a challenge, but um, but it's a it's a necessity in in today's business world.
0: Yeah, you have to adapt and and also make sure that you you know keep a finger on the pulse of you know what's going on, and and we've seen organizations, especially with the advent of social media, um, where if you have a disgruntled client or customer or a disgruntled employee, you know they can wreak havoc, and. Uh, keep your PR people up at night uh, because of something that someone could tweet or, you know, put out on Instagram or something else They can really create uh, a fire, you know, for, for many organizations, you know, historically, when you say, okay, uh, we have to put out this fire, they're thinking of a physical fire in a building or at a factory somewhere. Well, now uh, it can happen instantaneously when, when you least expect it and it could be a, a fire of, Know, bad PR and you know, a social media storm, and, you, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do we get ahead of this uh, and and correct this, because uh, once it's out there, it's out there.
1: Absolutely, and, and I'm glad you brought up the social media aspect of it, because Jennifer and I spent um, a good portion of our careers working together at Best Buy headquarters, which is here in suburban Minneapolis and when we started in that company there was an external website called bestbuysucks.com. It was run by Best Buy employees in the stores where they would go online publicly and complain about the things they didn't like in their jobs. And Jennifer and I along with a, a cross-functional team of people from various departments ended up building an internal social media tool that allowed employees to talk to each other and talk to corporate on a secure network inside the company and to air their griefs there and within, uh, I think within two or three weeks, Sucks dot com shut down because employees saw that we were listening to them and we would take action on what their complaints were if they brought them through the proper channels. That's a
0: great example of you know an organization that was you know pretty large, you know quite frankly, uh, ad- adapting to you know what their teams needed, uh, and and created a way to correct it and get buy-in. It's like, yeah, we're, we're listening. Okay. Let's, let's address this. Let's, let's address the hours or whatever else uh, they were complaining about. I don't ever recall going to that website. Of course I didn't work for Best Buy, but Best Buy has definitely gotten a ton of my money over the years. Uh, (laughs) But, but you know, it's, it's a situation where that's a great example of an organization know, being in tune with what's actually being said, because I think a lot of organizations are either unaware of what's happening with their teams and what they're saying, or they're just, they don't care. And, and I say that, you know, kind of cautiously, but I have seen that with organizations where they just, they're acting as if we don't care what the employees are saying. Um, we're going to put this product out, and we're going to do it this way, and that's how it's going to be. And and what ends up happening is there's problems with that product launch or that service or whatever the case may be. And uh, then of course it impacts the customer, impacts the revenue, the bottom line, organization starts to struggle, and then you start running into some problems. And you know, we we see that you know we're seeing especially in the retail space. You know, every right after Christmas time, you know, we, we kind of look at the newspaper and going, OK, who's closing? And, you know, that's been the recent situation over the past few years. Is in you know, it's like, OK, who's going to shut down next? And uh, which is unfortunate because I know a lot of organizations could prevent that. And, you know, to pick on Best Buy for a second, I know for any you guys you know, probably remember this. You know, the one of the running jokes that I would see about Best Buy is it was kind of the unofficial Amazon showroom where people would go into Best Buy and they would play around with the stuff and then they'd go home and order it on Amazon. Well, you know, Best Buy shifted um, things and now, you know, people go into Best Buy and they walk out of the store with something they buy because they can take it home now. The experience has changed. Um, it's it, it, the best buy by my place is constantly packed uh, and, you know, they're doing something right. And it, it, and that's just a case where they, they were paying attention to what customers wanted and the staff wanted and adjusted accordingly. And, and, and now they're doing quite well.
2: Yeah. I, and of course, yeah, they're, they're doing amazingly as, as do, companies that listen to their frontline employees, um, because if you want to know what your customers want, I mean, who better to talk to? I mean, of course, you can go out and talk to your customers, but, you know, you've got that in-house expertise of those people who are talking to customers every day. And it's it's not just about, you know, opening up the lines of communication to hear those employees complain. Um, it's, it's also getting their ideas and, you know, who better to equip you with your next wave of growth or your next innovation, than the um, employees who are having to deal with the customers every single day. So, um, yeah, we are huge proponents of opening up the lines of communication between the front lines and the C-suite, and um, and a lot of times, you know, like you said, sometimes there are companies that that don't care. I, I I'll admit that. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's fear, you know, it's fear that if I open those lines of communications and ask employees what they think, th- they're going to tell me. And that's scary. You know, they're, they're going, going to say, I think we're failing in these areas, or I think you can improve in these areas, but much better to hear it directly from the employees to people who can do something about it, than to have them out on Twitter, um, you know, screaming into the void where your customers are hearing it.
0: It reminds me of the story about Alan Mulally when he took over Ford Motor Company, and it was in all of the meetings, and you know, you'd get all the reports, and everything was looking good, and everybody on the planet knew that no things aren't good. And finally, you know, he encouraged somebody, and someone was brave enough to submit that spreadsheet that had some red in it of you know, some performance problems, and he stood up and applauded. You know that someone was actually honest, and of course, the next week everybody showed up with the sea of red. But it gave them, you know, the picture of okay, this is what's actually happening here. Now we can act on it and start to address it. Because sweeping it under the rug, eventually you're going to have a workplace hazard because everybody's going to be tripping over that rug because there's so much stuffed underneath it. And organizations that thrive, and in my understanding and observation, is those that you know are they provide that safe environment where you can say this is what we're seeing and bring it to light and they can make the adjustments and they can pivot accordingly in order to um, adjust around those things and those are the organizations I think especially as we keep hearing you know the, the potential of you know the next economic recession who knows what it'll look like anybody that paid attention in econ class back in the day knows that economics and and markets go up and down, and we go through cycles and and whatnot. So I would anticipate that, yes, we will see a recession. Uh, Hopefully it's not too long and too damaging, but the organizations that are able to pivot and navigate around challenges that have good internal communications are the ones that are going to be able to withstand those storms, other than the ones that say, I don't want to know what's going on.
1: Absolutely, and and I think too, um, we shouldn't lose sight of the um, not only of the opportunity to pivot away from the trouble and and to you know get those complaints aired inside. Every organization talks about innovation these days, and what better way to spur and drive innovation in your organization than to allow employees to collaborate? And for us at, at Best Buy, that was the business case for our internal social media. It really wasn't about taking those complaints inside, it was about what's going to happen when we allow 180,000 employees on the front lines, talk to one another, talk about how they're driving sales in their stores, how they're serving customers in unique ways. And that's really um, why we built that internal social media tool within Best Buy was to spur innovation and to spur collaboration. And I think some of the, you know, staying away from the potholes was just a corollary benefit, really.
0: I see it a lot with organizations and you say, you are talking with other stores and getting, getting some insights as to what's going on. I worked quite a long time in the not-for-profit sector and it was extremely siloed, even though we weren't necessarily in competition with each other. We were all vying for a limited amount of government funding and funding from other agencies and whatnot. So I found it, quite often um, that these organizations weren't overly willing to share um, their triumphs what's working for them what vendors they're using because they were afraid that they could lose position where they were within in you know the the grand scheme of things and i'm sure you've seen that in in departments and organizations as well where some teams just they don't want to share what they're doing because they're afraid it might be used against them or they could lose leverage in whatever, you know, pecking mechanism they, they think is going on in the organization.
2: Yeah, I know. Of course, we've seen that. We've seen that in, in a number of companies that we've worked for and with. Um, so many companies have, have very um, robust internal competition. And sometimes that can be amazing and it pushes teams to achieve more than, than they thought they would when they're being spurred by another department. And sometimes it creates the silos that everybody tries to break down when, when it uh, ends up you know, harming innovation and harming communication. So certainly a balance there with, um, with the sharing. I, you know, We were fortunate in our Best Buy years, the, t- the 12 years that, that Mike and I worked together there, that um, there was a, a quite open environment, and in fact, um, we would do a—I think it was quarterly. It was a—it um, was a uh, an open kind of lunch and learn thing um, called the failure forum, and it was an opportunity for teams to stand up and talk about what failed, um, what they tried, the innovation that didn't work, the thing that didn't resonate with customers. Um, the, the policy that um, fell flat on its face at the minute they rolled it out. And and that was very brave. It was brave for teams to get up and talk about um, what didn't work. Um, everyone wants to talk about what does, but no one wants to stand up and say, man, that was a really resounding failure. Um, but But the benefit of that, I mean, if you can foster that kind of honesty and trust in your organization is that departments learn from each other and, and teams can, you know, not follow in the footsteps of the failure that someone else, um, you know, who came before them. So um, that, that might be an extreme, but, you know, if you're talking trust and honesty and authenticity in an organization, that's, that's definitely a, um, it's a goal to shoot for.
0: Absolutely. Next up, I want to chat about uh, your new book operation cluster puck. Um, this is an interesting title. And I know in the pre-show notes, I was saying, I really hope I pronounce that last name correctly. <laughs> uh, but so I don't have to slap an E next to the rating of the show. But uh, so far, so good. I'm, I'm one for one. So tell us about mm-hmm. the book. Uh, you know, what inspired you to write it? And um, what's it about?
1: Sure. So uh, Operation Cluster Puck with a P is the second book in the BS Incorporated series. So it's a sequel to the original book, which was called BS Incorporated. And in the books, uh, we take you behind the scenes of a giant Midwestern company that has grown too big, too fast, and is spiraling out of control. And your tour guides for this story are a group of quirky but bright middle managers who are just trying to get through the day, fighting through the bureaucracy and the consultants and the jargon that they have to wade through every day just to try and make sense of their jobs. And eventually, they realize that they might be the only ones that can save this giant dumb but beloved company from itself and so they end up banding together to figure out how to save all the jobs and to keep this uh, iconic midwestern company going and really it was uh it, jennifer and i decided to write it because it was based loosely on our experiences at best buy and at other companies we uh we brainstormed over happy hour on a patio one day and turned out that we both had shared unknowingly had shared the dream of writing a book and we said you know what everybody said they should write a book why not us so we did it
0: it's funny that you mentioned BS Incorporated because I literally turned around in my office and grabbed it off my bookshelf. So I own this book, um, and you know, it's it, it was like it, my brain kind of went, "Wait a minute, I've got that book." So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it you know, it's a great book, and you know, and obviously, Operation Cluster Puck uh, continues that journey. And it, it's it's funny when you know, when going through it, it's one of those books that you when you're reading it, you start nodding and going, yes, yep, I know that. Oh, yeah, I remember that mm-hmm. situation. And and that's, I think, one of the things that we see, even though we have so many diverse organizations across the planet, there's a lot of similarities of things that are going on. It's, and it's human nature, I think, is a big component of it, but it's also how things are structured and how things are done, that it creates these situations where unless – there's focus on making it more efficient and better for an organization that it naturally just kind of gravitates to the behaviors that we see in many organizations and uh, it just it can make some operations the good ones shine because they they are intentional in focusing on addressing these things but the ones that are and quite frankly on autopilot those are the ones that continually have problems and they scratch their head and they wonder why <laughs>
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head of the, you know, kind of nodding while you're reading the book, because we, we really wanted to go after some of those universal experiences that people find in the workplace. And, you know, we talk to people from New Zealand to Barcelona to, you know, Toronto to L.A. who say... I thought you crawled inside my company and and wrote uh, you know this chapter about that team I once worked for, and that's really what we were shooting for. Is you know you, you you read the books and it's it's not it's fiction. It's a novel. There are characters. There are plots. There's a little romance. There's intrigue. There's and humor. There's humor. A lot of humor. And what we really wanted was you know not the dry nonfiction book. Although there's some wonderful ones out there. Um, we wanted to show a story that um, maybe you draw a couple lessons from, but but also you just laugh and you cringe a little and you you say oh, I've been through that experience or I worked with that person and thank goodness I did or um, you know you, you read through a situation and and you think I thought I was the only one and we we just wanted to show. No matter where you work, what size of company, whether it's a government organization or an academic institution or a, a, a big, dumb but well-meaning Midwestern company, that, um, yeah, you're, you're not alone.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing book. And yeah, I, I laughed quite a bit through it and, and and highlighted it and like, oh yeah, I remember that. And you had message a buddy of mine that we used to work at, a, we actually worked at a couple different places. And it's like, oh yeah, I read this and you remember that, and then they're like, oh yeah, and then we we just you know, reminisce about. It. Of course, it's funny now. It wasn't so much funny <laughs> when we were going through it, but it, it it's you know, time, you know, creates entertainment opportunities. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, we we have a line actually in Operation Cluster Puck about how time and distance um, heal a lot of a lot of wounds <laughs> after you leave a company. Um, yeah, and I think you know we look back. Um, fondly on things and chuckle at things that were not funny or fond when we were going through them. <laughs> but, you know, again, hopefully people can commiserate and laugh a little bit about the things that we, we draw out. Yeah, no,
0: I, 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 you know, trust that, you know people will will definitely enjoy this one as, as much as they did with uh, BS Incorporated because it's again,' we're, we're all going through similar things and, and understanding that and knowing that we're not the only ones that face these kind of uh, entertaining or maybe not so entertaining challenges that there's a way through it and there's a way to to go about it and you know communication. Um, always seems to be at the root of all. You know, if we if we get the communication right, uh, it, it makes such a huge difference in, in pretty much every aspect of our life
1: yeah we we certainly think so and and thank you so much for the kind words about the books. Um, we love hearing it and uh, and again our, our heroes in the books are communications uh, professionals by design because we we agree with you. We think it is really, really important um, to keep those lines of communication open and to be clear and articulate and uh, transparent
2: well and and i'll just add that you'll also see in the books that you know we we of course are communication professionals and we tout great communication, but sometimes we're the worst at it. Um, We forget to communicate with each other. We forget to communicate with our own teams. um, And so there's humor in that as well, that um, sometimes communications people are, are sometimes the worst at communicating both professionally and personally.
0: And I've seen that in other industries too. You know, I, I pick on my auto mechanic, um, you know, his car is just, you know, a piece of garbage, but he fixes, (laughs) he he fixes mine up nice when it needs work. So it's like, he's like, do you think I want to work on my own car? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I understand that. That's funny. What
2: is that? What's that old saying? The physician heal thyself." (laughs) Exactly.
0: Pretty, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. So, Enjoyed our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and, and the book and everything else you've done?
2: Sure. So the easiest way is to go to our book website, which is Rock And from there, you can find all of our links to social media and um, and directly, you know, find our links to to buy the books, which we're on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all good places that uh, fine books are sold. And if uh, any of your listeners have any stories of of their own, um, uh, shall we say, absurdities that happen in the workplace or funny things, um, goodness, we'd love to hear from you. There will probably be more books in the offing here and, um, you know, we've never run out of stories as long as people work in workplaces, we will always find funny things and good things to talk about.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes and encourage people to to reach out and share uh, some of their stories because, yeah, oh, I agree. Yeah, I, there's, there's never a dull moment when it comes to this thing we like calling work. So awesome. Well, appreciate both of you and, and the awesome work you're doing. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having us.
2: It was a pleasure. Thanks.
0: Likewise. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.